Hello everyone, this is your Dungeon Master Frankie here, welcoming you to another episode of Dice Hooligans Vermingard Campaign. Finally inside the walls of Breezewell, our heroes prepare for the fight of their lives as an alleged 20,000 Federax loyalists descend on their location. With limited supplies and defenders, will their planning be enough to hold the city? As always, I want to thank everyone who has been listening and supporting us. I speak for the whole cast when I say that every review, share, like, and interaction we have with you as our listeners means the world to us, and we hope you continue to enjoy the show as we release them. With that being said, we hope you enjoy episode 23, The Calm Before the Storm. You all stand around Weiler as he has taken a command of Breezewell Harbor. The numerous, hundreds thousands of people around you are just staring the city has come to sort of a standstill and after a moment you hear a voice in the back ushering people to go about their business and to keep moving forward and suddenly the the throngs of people begin to move and into different directions Weiler's looking over the the sheets in front of him kind of very quickly moving through the the pieces of paper and trying to find what he's exactly looking for until finally he comes down on the uh the list of individuals he has. And he sits there almost deep in thought, leaving you guys standing around him, um, just sort of waiting for the next move. What are you guys doing? What's everyone feeling like? What's what's going on? I'm going to go ahead and start with uh, with Benji. What's, what's going on through Dante's head? Right now, probably for Dante, um, it's just almost kind of like a, a mental nod. So, okay, he's taking... He's taking leadership. This is good. He's thinking this is going to, I mean, this is probably our best bet having a Weiler taking charge like this, considering we, whether it's true or not, we might have 20,000 troops coming in. Uh, but even just the, what we have the blockade right now, we're going to need the help we can get. So Dante's like, okay, this is, this is good. Could be better, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you totally like, is Dante all aboard with the Weiler train? Like, if Weiler tells you to jump, are you going to do it kind of situation? Like, have you just given him command? I have no problem with him taking over command, to be very honest. It's not, Dante has never, he doesn't think of himself as a leader. Uh, So he has no, he he has no problem with it. He's worked under a number of captains before. So I mean, like you think Fisheye, all right, fine, Capitano, great. That's not a problem. Uh, Ursa is like, okay, so this is, she's in charge of this area. And now with Weiler, I don't have a problem with it. However, Dante is thinking, I wonder how this is going to go between Ursa and Weiler. Mm. That's his concern. But he's just going to watch it play out and see what happens. Got it. Okay. So, Dodger, uh, same question for your, for Toby. How How's Toby feeling now that you have one of the members of Vermingard actually running the show in comparison to Captain Ursa? And how does Toby feel about that? He... Um... He feels all right about it. He's okay with whoever's leading. They both seem very um, capable people on what to do. But his whole mindset is actually not on them as much. He's willing to do anything that either of them say to help out. He's been through this before, but that's also kind of holding him back. And he actually is kind of scared right now because he's been through this before. So he knows what's going to happen. Um. Like right now, I mean, like he, with everyone kind of gathering around Wyler, he's actually just looking around the town right now, like standing with the group, but kind of weary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I, I get that. Uh, AJ, how is Gordon feeling about this? Uh, Gordon, 
Gordon's just kind of thinking back to when Roger spoke with him uh, about his breastplate, his hammer, and because of those things, he can protect the team. And he's kind of just focusing on like making sure that they're going to be okay. Then, you know, now it's like crap. Well, like now there's a lot of people here besides just, you know, us. He's trying to like figure out how he can be in like 10 places at once. Um, kind of anxious, mm-hmm. not confident, but not really uh, doubtful. Uh, the only thing he's having doubts about is just just this like annoying kind of like nagging question in the back of his head with uh, CJ because he remembers that you know when he, they needed her, she was protecting Weiler. Weiler, and they were kind of getting their asses kicked. And up until that point, they had been a team. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like he's trying to figure out if he should even say anything or like if he should bring it up. Um, but he's, you know, a little bit more confident with Weiler there, mm-hmm. but, um, he's more gravitating towards Captain Ursa. Sure. He kind of wants to, you know, see what's up with her, you know, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's going on with that? That whole Yeah. Thing. What's, what's your sign? What are you, what are you doing here? It's crazy. Right. It's insane. It's, it's wild. <laughs> but yeah. That's where he's at. Not confident, not doubtful, but, you know, positive and standing. Cool. All right. Uh, Morgan, what's what's CJ got going on right now? This is there's a lot of emotions, I'm sure. Yeah, no, there are a lot of emotions because, you know, she hasn't seen Weiler, you know, in man knows how long. Huh. Um, and and the fact that he he's back kind of resolidified in her in her mind, like, OK, he's not leaving. He's not abandoning ship. He's he's here. And so it's. Like, yeah, the, the situation that they're in is scary, but she's more focused on Weiler's here because this is the closest thing that she's had to a family member ever. Right. Um, so it, it's really hard for her to not think about something else uh, when sure. it's just him. And I mean, yeah, she's scared. I mean, who the hell wouldn't be scared in this situation? Um, it, she's trying not to show it because she wants to, you know, kind of prove to Weiler, too, that she's very capable. Uh, she's, she's tough. Yeah, yeah. She he's not the the kitten that he he found, you know, near death somewhere. Um, you know, she's right. she's just trying to put on a brave face, I guess. Right. I get you. Okay. Cool. So he finally stands up and he approaches your group and he beckons you all to come around to his side of the uh, the table and. He's kind. Of, he's speaking just expressly to you four, and the other guards are sort of looking amongst themselves and trying to listen to what he has to say. But he um, pauses for a moment before finally tapping a finger on the map that he has in front of you the uh, the map of the city. We have very little people to defend the city with, and we have too many walls. As it stands, again, I know you were already spoke to Captain Ursa about this, but just to re-solidify it in your heads, we have 80 guards and 150 volunteers. Those volunteers range from sailors to ex-mercenaries to ex-soldiers, anybody who was stuck in the city when the blockade happened. They are capable, 
but then we have some that are eager to fight and protect what they have, but have little to no training. And now you said that Roger picked you for, is that correct? See, si, that is correct. Okay. So I'm going to use this opportunity to see what sort of skills you all have. So I have to ask a question. We have 230 soldiers against Federax's armies. Now, what did you learn from your prisoner? Well, we learned that it's, <laughs> yeah, give or take 20,000 uh, coming our way, supposedly. See. Mm. He nods and scratches a quick number down on the piece of paper. We have 230 soldiers against 20,000. We have roughly 2,000 individuals inside this city. We have a difficult choice ahead of us right now. There are three miles of wall that we need to man. Now, we could do that with 230 soldiers, sure. It would be sparse. And if they do happen to break through at any point, we would not have much in the way of defense in the interior of the city. And many of these individuals probably have not gone through a siege before. Exactly. Now, when I served in the war, rat sieges are quick affairs. They, they swarm. They swarm. They're not one for attrition, where a regular siege may last months, possibly even years, depending on how stocked and defended the castle is. But I would imagine Federax's armies would attempt to break us within the first two days. I would say so, considering what happened underneath Boropa. They were not going to wait for the long game. He, he nods with agreement. So, we have to decide now. Do we conscript soldiers? Um, I have a question. Yes. What is that? Do conscript. we take... Conscript. Conscript. <laughs> Do we take every able-bodied individual inside the city and give them a spear? Oh. and tell them to defend the walls. So you're saying dra like a draft? That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, is there like no other way we can uh, get them out or put them somewhere or in case, you know, we don't succeed? We'd have to get through the blockade if we wanted to get them off the island. So he pulls up the map again and, and motions towards it. And he says, there are several spots in this city that are going to be the most defensible. And there are certain spots in the city that we cannot have fall. Any motions to the dock control down at the northern point of the map that is controlling the harbor gate. As you can see around the dock control, there is a third and final wall. This is going to be our last line of defense. Without the dock control, they cannot enter the city through the harbor. They cannot leave with our ships. So even if they were to take the harbor and get control of the ships, they can't leave until they get the dock control. Dante gets this, starts to have this big grin on his face, and he's just tapping his chin. Uh, you know, so it, I had said before, it was unlikely we could do this, but uh, what if we were having a way to get past the blockade? 
he he nods and and says that's that's the only way that we're going to get anybody out of this city we we can't hold this city against a siege of 20,000 we just have to hold on until we can find a way to get everyone on those ships and out of the harbor my papa taught me one trick before he had a ship he uh commandeered and he renamed it the cacafuego the <clears throat> flaming shit mm-hmm. what have i said about making up stuff dante you, no, you no, can't do that no 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 it's a fire ship one of the ships that we can load up with whatever we can, flammable gunpowder, what have you, you send it to the midst, you open the gates, you send that into the midst of them, maybe a few of them. And that clears the way to have others get out. Perhaps we have one or two ships staying behind to help keep the fleet away from them. He he nods and says, that's, that's not a bad idea. I'll, I'll, I'll take that under advisement. The, my concern is we may not have enough ships in the harbor to fill. For 2,000 of the people. Now, he, he, he taps his, his finger to his, his chin in thought for a moment, and he says, last case scenario, we can make that order. But a large portion of the city is going to have to stay here to defend the ships from the invaders if we take that route most if not all of those 230 soldiers will not be on those ships so we're gonna have to pull some more people he he sort of he looks at you and nods sadly and i'm leaving this decision up to you i want to see what sort of what your metal is do you understand I know this isn't the proper time for a training exercise, but I need to know exactly what Roger saw in all of you to give you this role. He was drinking at the time, I, I may point out. He was drunk <laughs> most of the time. He, he, he Only laughs. when he's breathing. <laughs> yeah, Weiler laughs sadly and, and nods as well. He sounds like he hasn't changed. A bit more gray, perhaps. A bit more, uh, how you say it, budgy. A little, yeah, a little more bigger in the chest and stomach area. <laughs> he he nods. This mm, happens to the best of us, I suppose. So what, perhaps, if we were to do something, you mentioned before about these defensible places. We may have to give up some of the city, some of the less defensible, and let them take it. But we may use a trick similar to the fire ship there. Perhaps you say we trap a boobies. No, wait, that's not right. Uh, booby trap. These areas, mm. when they go in, we make sure that they are getting funneled into a small area. We create a, a killing zone. Toby, you can handle some of that, right? Yeah, but think about the people who live here. Do we really want to be blowing up their own houses and our own stores well, and everything? It's going to be gotta either sure. us or them, Toby. You got to make sure they're okay with it, too. So, uh, Weiler looks at you, Toby, and he says... We have an individual on this roster, it seems. His name is Prospero. Prospero, he's like looking through the, the paperwork, says Prospero Soul. He was charged by Captain Ursa to be in control of, and he sort of, he glances in with a sort of surprised look on his face. He says, apparently this Prospero Soul is an alkalist. He's been put in control of devising some of the defenses that aren't the ballistas and the, the soldiers. Maybe you should go and speak with him. Wait, what, what, what's an alkalist, though? 
alchemists are chemists. They're 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 alchemists. They I've seen what they can do. They brew potions and they they brew magic in bottles. And I they mean, make a hell of a good martini. <laughs> I mean, I made a couple of drinks back at home, but I, I don't think I've ever done anything like that. Like, I mean, I've only the closest thing I've ever done to alchemy is cooking. He he smiles and nods, says, "There's a lot of people here today that that are going to be asked to do something they've never done before." Okay. And I mean, he he looks at you for a moment, kind of like expectantly, seeing. What? How you respond to this? Oh, I don't really have much to offer. So, at least adding a new tool to my belt will be a good idea. Toby, you have so much more to offer. This is just something you're really good at. Okay, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll head over there. What was his name again? Prospero. Prospero. All right. Prospero. Ask him about. Oh God. Okay. Prospero is is at the South Gate. Ask for Prospero, and they'll they'll be able to point you in his direction. South Gate. Okay. <laughs> Ask him about the martinis. I I guess I will just for you, Dante. <laughs> I have not had one in years. I is it a good idea to drink more right now, or drink anything right now, then, <laughs> or drink it again? Yeah, it worked for Roger. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> as long as you guys are okay with, without me for a little what? bit. <laughs> Weiler says, "What what works for Roger may not work for everyone else. Just keep that in mind." <laughs> Dante's just kind of smirking about the whole thing. <laughs> um, sorry. If you don't mind, uh, I'd like to be part of the recruiting. He he nods and he says, "That'll that'll fall under Captain Ursa." Okay. Should should I go talk to her? Should should do you want me to wait here? Should I wait here? You, and then- you said that. Well, before you all leave, I'd like to get some final uh, answers made. Okay. Dante and CJ. Yeah. CJ, I would like you to be a part of the wall defense. See if you can meet up with any of the other magic users that are in the city. And I want you to see what they're capable of. And I want you to be in charge on some of their positioning. Okay. In charge? Really? He... Uh he he smiles and pats you on the hand and i know this is a lot for all of you but i'm putting a lot of faith in each and every one of you as much as he he gets a sad look across his face times have changed between roger and myself and the others if he saw something in the four of you something that was worthy then I'll trust his judgment. He picked you all for a reason, and now I'm relying on you to follow through with whatever he saw inside of you. Does that sound like something you can do, CJ? Yes. Yes, and she kind of gives him a hug again. I could, I could go do that. Do, do, do you want me to go right now? I could go. Not yet. We have to make some final decisions. Of course, of course, well. Aye, aye, Captain. Dante. Yes, sir. I would like you to be in control of positioning soldiers within the walls once the time comes. Very well. I would have to see these soldiers and see what we have for experience, because I would want to make sure that we space them out evenly 
among the less uh, experienced recruits. He, he nods and he, he pulls up another list of uh, names that he has on his on the table. And he says, as it stands right now, we have 80 guards. They are trained with bows, crossbows, swords and shields and spears, as all soldiers and guards are trained in the, uh, the academy. So they're going to be our, our strongest asset. They're the ones that have been tra- actual have actual training. Do we have anything about if we had hunters, people that uh, you know, they're shoot, they have they are used to shooting a bow? Perhaps we can also use them to encountering uh, as a more experienced. He he nods and pulls up another piece of paper and says, "Out of the hundred and fifty volunteers, aside from the guards, forty are trained hunters, archers. They have both training with bow and crossbow." Ah, uh, excellent. Grazie. Now, for their experience and expertise, I cannot speak, but that's what they claim to have the most training in. This is a good start. I will now, do this. Excellent. Now, after the, the 40, 60 have actual experience with close combat training. It says here they were either sailors, ex-mercenaries, former military people, people who actually have trained themselves individually and... Out of the 150 volunteers, that only leaves 50 left with little to no combat experience at all. What would you suggest that we do with these 50? As I said before, if you make sure that there are strong leaders or those with experience, you space them out with those. I, however, for our the key critical areas, I want to have more concentration of the uh, concentration, I should say, of the hunters and, of course, the trained guard for. We may has used some of these people perhaps for messages back and forth if possible. I still want them to always be around if possible, to be around one at least one of the guard so they can be directed. But if we can use them for – there must be time for messages going back and forth between the different gra- uh, ground troops. We must also be able to have them do signals. Perhaps we'll come up with something like that. Uh, there may be – if they're doing a siege on the walls, we can make sure that we have people ready to go with – Countermeasures. Uh, I could be burning pitch, for instance. Uh, things being thrown over the walls. They may not be good a sword or a bow, but they are good. They, I think anyone can throw something off a, a wall. That is a possibility. I would not want to have them at key critical roles, however, because they may break under pressure, and that would cause uh, others to break as well, and we would lose the wall. He he nods. This is all good points. Now, for all of you, this is the question that I have. Where should we position most of our defenses? There are three gates to the city. There's the south gate, which is the gate you all came through, and myself. The west gate, which leads to the western part of the island. That's a another option. And then finally, the east gate, which is probably the least or the most difficult for the enemies to get to. Not to say that it, they won't try to. But it is definitely not the obvious choice, like the the south and the west gate. Which which one's closer to the the harbor? Well, as it stands, the south and the west gate have access to a majority of the harbor. The east gate is the closest gate to the dock controls. If they break through the east gate, the secondary gate in the middle of the city is pointless. Right, and then we need to make sure we have those dock controls in our control, right? Yes. Okay. I think we should have not everyone, but a good, good line of defense there on the east gate. 
because if they break through that, then game over, man. Exactly. We should make sure that um, <clears throat> I think if we were to take, as I mentioned before, we create, if possible, looking at Toby nodding, if possible, we create these killing zones, as I said. If we were to talk to the people, I know there may be damage done, but we might save, li save lives. If we can create something, how we guard at these three gates, and at the same time, make sure if they do get through one of and you just see him smile. Perhaps it wouldn't be bad if they did get through one of the gates, not the east one. But if they did, that's where we create our kill zone. Oh, that's fucking awesome, Dante. Uh, he, he, he nods. He says, that's, that is quite the gamble to open the gates to the enemy. We have perhaps 20,000 What if we don't have the um, so Toby is kind of looking off to the distance and he sees the lighthouse and he looks back at, um, Lyra, like, how long does it take to like run from, like, how big is this whole city from the East Gate to the West Gate? East Gate to the West Gate. If you were to take the secondary gate and go that direct route, it would take you 20 minutes, perhaps 25 minutes to get to the, the West Gate. And but... Then there is another way. If you go from the East Gate and cross to the dock controls, there is a path, there's a walkway on the harbor gate that you can use to get to the, the lighthouse and go up to the West Gate from the uh, from the, the north. Now, Dante, if you are one of those boats out there, how fast can you switch from, like, say, you are headed toward the East Gate, how much further, how much further or closer to the shore you need to be to change your decision, go to the West Gate. Ah, let me think. Uh, I'm, he's going to do a knowledge roll on this one, or how do you want to how do you want to do this, Frank? Because I'm, I want him to. I have an idea, but Dante may not. Okay, uh, we'll go ahead and go. Is this a military? This would be. Uh, he's thinking, no, not military, because he's talking about ships and how maneuver the maneuverability in the water to get to move. Like they're going to one gate, they're getting close, moving to the other one. So this would be how easy they would be to maneuver in probably at that point, shallow water. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And what I'm thinking is, is that one of some of us can be at, up in the lighthouse and see where they're going. So if we need to switch places, we've got 20 minutes to run over to the next gate and set up. Interesting. So okay. that is our signal point, you, you, you think, our watchtower. Mm-hmm. I like interesting. it. Yeah, not bad. That, that's, uh, that's very interesting. You know what? I'm going to give you a fortune point for that. That is a clever Yay. plan. <laughs> nice. Toby yeah. the thinker. Any? I, I, was, I was accused of being a, stin a stingy DM with my fortune points by a listener. <laughs> so oh. let's, let's change that. Uh, I have to pay, have that to pay them five bucks. <laughs> Thank you, anonymous listener. Yeah. <laughs> Wink. Um, anonymous <laughs> listener. Wink. That's our, that's our version of tips. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. Maybe. laughs> Well, um, back okay. to the point, though. I think it's important. This is very good, but we should have plans and backup plans. I I do agree, Toby, that we should use the um, the kill zone as uh, a more desperate gamble, more like a last resort. But we should have it ready to go in case we need to fall back on it. See? Yeah. He right. he nods and he. Uh... Benji, go ahead and give me a knowledge check, and you have advantage because this is to do with uh, sailing. 
16. 16. So you were looking to figure out for a ship how quickly you'd be able to get from the east gate around the lighthouse to the west gate, correct? Yeah. How how, how quickly they'd be able to change direction. And uh, how, how far um, out in the sea they have to be to maneuver that. So depending on the ship that you have. Now, granted, when you did a, you, you, from where you're standing, you can actually see the harbor. You have several, you have ships of several size. You have ships that are about the size of fisheye ship. You have some galleons. You have some smaller ships. Um, essentially, what you'd be looking for is something that you could man either by yourself or with a crew of less than three. Is that would be the, yeah, the plan? We're, we're talking about a frigate would actually be even too large, like a sloop or something like that, like perhaps. A, a sloop. Yeah. So you could, you could probably take a sloop. If you were to be towards the eastern gate, you could sail around the lighthouse depending on how the weather is. Cause remember there is a magical storm, right? Um, just judging if the winds were cooperative, you could probably get there in 15 minutes. Okay. But because there's a storm, you're not sure if the, the winds will be in favor going in that direction or not. It, it, it all depends. That is Dante. Re- yeah. Dante will relay this to the group. Okay. So it sounds like we have a chance to defend all gates then at that point. There is two things that I might, uh, how you say, the devil's advocate, mm-hmm. or the unseen advocate, maybe. <laughs> uh, they might still try to strike at walls or areas that are not as defensible. And there is another thing I think we are forgetting, the anglerfish creatures. Mm. Are they just stirred up by the storm or perhaps they are working with these followers of the dead rat? If not, it stops from us. Weiler, you have been here for the while under the, uh, the name of King or no, no, it's not King. It was a uh, bear. No, Duke, Duke, that's C, C, Duke. For that, you have been here for a while. These angler fish, have you ever seen them before? He, he shakes his head quickly and says, that's those were only stories, legends of the island. They're used to scare children and, and just in, in campfire stories. They are real. He sort of looks surprised and then We were attacked by them. A lot. He he gets quiet and Federax has magics. He has abilities. When I was with Vermingard and we were in the the middle of the campaign, he he had monstrous creatures under his control. If you're to tell me that these anglerfish creatures called the 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 locals call them the deep ones, deep ones. Hmm. If you say what you say is true that you ran across them, there is every possibility that they may throw their allegiance towards him. Of course, they may just be third parties just i would hope it is the latter because they seemed extremely territorial if there was some way to make sure the landings were done near where these deep ones were at he just smiles the enemy of my enemy as long as it doesn't get near me they can fight it out (laughs) he he nods and that's something that we can look into but as it stands right now i would i would Usher you all to make haste and meet with your respective parties. Toby, go see Prospero. 
Gordon, go speak with Captain Ursa. Perhaps she's done interrogating our, our captive. Dante, I want you to meet with the, the men-at-arms. And CJ, I'd like you to go to the Magic Quarter and speak with any wizards that we may have at our disposal. But before we do this, Gordon... Yeah, yeah. He, he stands up and he, like, is able to grip your whole breastplate by putting his hand inside your armor and, like, grabbing it. Just clank, to clank, show clank, how- clank, 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 clank. <laughs> and, like, in a, in a moment that sort of surprise, like, startles the hell out of you, he, like, yeah. lifts you up off the ground yeah. by, holding on, by holding onto your armor, and he's like, get to it's the like black pinata. Like, right now? And he he sort of looks at you for a moment and then nods, yes, right now. Okay, yeah, that was a dumb question. Okay, I, I, okay. I will. As soon as you put me down, I did not know I was afraid of heights. <laughs> and he, he sets you down, and then he, like, since he, he's so much taller than you, he, like, and older, he, he sort of gets down on one knee in front of you, so he's able to, like, look at you face to face. And he, he holds your armor, not, not as roughly as he did before, but he's showing you, and he says... Gentler. Yeah, gentler. There's a, there's a reason why soldiers have the buzz cut that keep their hair short. Even even dogs like Sharpays keep their, their hair out of their eyes and unable to be grabbed. Every loose article you have is something for the enemy to grab a hold of. And when you're being swarmed by, by rats and other monstrous creatures, anything they can grab a hold of easily is a disadvantage for you. I know, I'm sure you know this. I'm sure... And then he's like looking at he's looking at the armor and he he's he's studying us as this is very important armor to you, is that correct? Yes, sir. Speak to the blacksmith, get them to take it in. And it'll it'll do you better. Okay. And he he claps you on the shoulder and stands up. Once everyone is done with where they need to be, come back. Think about any final decisions you wish to make about the defenses, and we'll finalize where the soldiers are. And think about this. He stands up once more and, and heads back to the table and says, If we have to conscript, we're putting more innocent lives in danger. But if we don't have the bodies to defend this city, they'll be dead anyways. Dante nods soberly. And he sort of gives you the the go-ahead with a hand gesture to head where you're going to head. So, does anyone want to say any last thing before you head off into your respective directions? Yeah. Dante wants to mention one thing. He uh, looks over at the map, kind of leans over for a moment, uh, says a little bit quietly to, because he doesn't want the guards to hear this necessarily, to Weiler, yes, the other thing about these deep ones they are retreating into caves, sea caves. Looks like they went far back. Do you know if there is any caves underneath his city? He thinks for a moment, and he says, on the north side, just on the other side of the harbor, the city walls cease to exist. As you can see, the, on the northern side, there's no walls. Because there's rock face and there's no beach to speak of. So there's no place for ships to land because they'd have to scale about a 25 foot rock face to get into the, the actual city, which is 
difficult in the sense of like it's just the harbor right there so it's not like there's a shore for them to dock at and start climbing not to say that they can't with smaller ships just that it's a more difficult approach um but on the northern side he says beneath these waves there's no telling how many caves there could possibly be that is concerning perhaps there's something we will discuss later but but uh, maybe uh, toby yeah this uh this uh, uh gentleman the prospero perhaps they can come up with something that could uh i have seen used in the war before when a beach was being taken there was an the this alchemy was used to create bombs in the ground in the sand well, if someone was to get near them or step on them, perhaps, well, it would blow up. Something, I don't know, something that we could use to, if there was some, it was almost like if we had a lot of CJs and she could do that fireball thing there, it would be wonderful. But I fear if these deep ones, if they can make their way and they are allied with the north side, it seems like a good place for them to come from. Okay. Something yeah. to consider. I hope I am completely wrong. Oh, I'll, I'll talk to Prospero and see what we can muster up. I'm sure we can make a couple of things. I'll Grazie, my friend. Grazie. That's all he's got. He starts checking his, checking his gear, making sure he's ready to head out. Excellent. Cool. So uh, we're going to go ahead and actually start with you, Toby. Okay. So he told you that he's near the south gate, correct? Correct. All right, so you start heading up in that direction towards where you have to go. You see people moving across all manner of directions. It, it, it's sort of chaos. Soldiers are doing their best to keep everyone calm and and in their respective quarters. They're sort of pushing everybody towards the center of the harbor so that you have the outskirts of the walls um, accessible for the soldiers and the defenders. You, you're seeing people moving... Uh, wheelbarrows full of rocks and bringing them to the the bottom of the wall and then being loaded into buckets that are being pulled on pulleys to the top. So they're getting ready with piles of rocks at the top of the wall to drop down on any attackers. Mm -hmm. They've pulled the ballista off the ships and they're starting to get ready. They're positioning them outside the underneath the walls and they're devising quick pulley systems to try to get them up to the top, but they haven't gotten final word on where to put these, uh, these siege weapons. And finally, go ahead and give me a notice check, please. Okay. Okay. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. At the base of the south gate, you see a turtle. He is covered head to toe. His shell the back of his shell is actually painted. I guess you would consider this like the turtle equivalent of tattoos. Mm -hmm. There is a, it's a tapestry on the back of his shell of these gorgeous colors of red and blue and gold. And from far away, it sort of just is this splattering of color, but it's gorgeous. But as you start getting closer, you can see it slowly telling a story of what that story is. You're not sure. But you can see in each individual segment on his shell is a small scene. Hmm. He is a, uh, a, his skin is yellow. His shell is from the parts of the ridges around. 
you would assume was brown at one point, but is now just brightly decorated in these beautiful colors. He has a bandana on the top of his head and numerous amounts of chains, necklaces, bracelets across his his body. And he he's next to him is a pile of uh, well, I shouldn't say pile, but like a a pyramid of stacked glass uh, vials, like bottles, mm-hmm. capped with a with a cork. And he has them positioned in such a way that there is a uh, a border of boxes around them to keep them from toppling over and to keep anybody from uh, crashing into them. <laughs> uh, but he he's quickly at work. You can see he has a state a workstation on a, a table where he has just dozens of different vials of different sort of materials. You see what you would assume is a, a thing of salt. You see water and then just all sorts of different things you've never even like seen before. And he seems diligently at work putting together what looks to be another one of these bottles. Um, I kind of, Toby looks around and just like, make sure no one else kind of has that same setup. Just like, make sure, is this Prospero kind of thing? He, he seems uh, to be the only person. Yeah. So I was like, Toby kind of nervously goes up and was like, hi, are, are you Prospero? He very slowly turns his head and and looks at you, and he he regards you up and down quickly. Well, quickly for him, his eyes scan you up and down, and then he places the bottle back down on the table and turns to look at you with a very deep bow. And he says, "Prospero, soul, at your service, young master." Uh, I mean, I don't. I want to call myself master, and he kind of bows a little to Prospero. It's like. I was uh, sent by Weiler and uh, I think Ursa, Captain Ursa. Ursa, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I just I, I I'm here to help you out. He he smiles and and nods and turns back towards his table and he says, "Are you an alkalist, young master?" I, I mean, I just learned what an alkalist is. And then more like 10 minutes ago, so no. He, he he turns and looks at you with a warm smile. You If you've never met a turtle before, not too many turtles come through. Um, go ahead and give me a knowledge check to see what you know about turtles. You got it. It's going to be all high tales that my mom hog just told lies about. Which is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a five and knowledge, mm. correct? Oh, you know that turtles love to eat straws. <laughs> Um, oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 have little to no idea about turtles. You've just like you're only aware of them. Like you know they exist, but you haven't heard anything about them. Um, but if you had to guess, this turtle is very old. He has his um his mouth. I don't I don't even know if turtles are they have mouths or if it's beaks or whatever they they have but uh he's his face is covered in wrinkles and his his mouth has these is very uh tightly drawn to his face with all of these notch marks on his um on his shell the front of his shell and his his uh just his face in general and he um he he smiles at you warmly and gestures you closer to him and he says i do not believe i caught your name young master 
it's it's Tobias. I mean, to- Toby. To- Toby for sure. It's fully t- Tobias. Ah, Master Toby. I have been practicing these arts for well over 150 years. I'm sorry, 150? <laughs> uh, my people age very slowly. Right. Huh. So were you around in the, the last war and probably a bunch of history of all of Machmeyer? <laughs> I was. I... Unfortunately... The distance between this and the war with Federax has been but a blink of an eye for me. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we have to go through this again. I... There's a lot of things that I am sorry for, but this is not one that you should be, young master. This is just an unfortunate state of the world. Well... We're in a good point right now to help prevent it happening again or make this end early. <laughs> he, so, he, he nods and I will do what I can. And if you've been sent here to assist me, I will impart upon you as much knowledge as possible in the short amount of time we have. Okay. He, uh, Toby kind of clasped his hands together. All right, I'm ready. Let's, let's get working. Um, I have a few things that the the uh, the leaders kind of want. Let's see if we can make them. <laughs> he he nods and he shows you at his table what he has positioned. He says, first and foremost, I need to explain to you what being an alkalist is is about. We can make, and he he holds up the bottle that he's working on, and you can see it's uh, glowing almost. It's a, a deep red inside. And he, he's holding it in his hands and he, he hands it to you. I grab it. And you can feel it's warm to the touch. And he says, Now, there is a difference between alkalists. Some seek the path of war and damage and, and pain and others seek to, to help. I, unfortunately, have walked down both paths. It is up to you to decide where you wish to head. Does that make sense, young Toby? Yeah, yes, yes it does. With this, this orb you hold in your hand, this is what I call a healing bomb. If you so, throw this at the feet of your allies, he, he sort of chuckles a little bit. Our art is not one of grace and and subtlety, I must say. If you throw this at the feet of your allies or anyone you wish, they will take deep breaths and their wounds will heal. And then he hands you a second bomb which is very close in color to the one you have already, but this one has a deep, a deep orange in the center. You can see it's almost like swirling in the, in the, in the, uh, the center of this orb. Huh, I'm curious. And this is the opposite. Once the concoction inside of this bottle interacts with air, fire will erupt 
where we miss the subtlety of magic, we make up for it in, <laughs> he chuckles a little bit, spectacle. Huh. So this is going to cause fire and hurt people, I'm assuming? It will hurt people. Everyone that's involved, your friends, your enemies, innocent bystanders. So I have to be careful with this one. He he nods sadly and turns to look at you and says, We have a great burden on our shoulders, alkalists. We have the potential for healing, but we have the potential for destruction. Hmm. And I tell you this specifically because these creations we make know not friend or foe. And he takes both bottles from you and says, each of these will hurt or heal enemy and friend alike. You must be aware of that. Do you understand? Yes, I do, Prospero. He, he again smiles at you and places the bottles back down on his, on his table. And he says, let's get to work. Yes, sir. All right. We are going to jump to Gordon. What? All right. So you're heading to go to the blacksmith, correct? Yep. All right. So we're going to go ahead and move through this really fast. You, you, you head to the, the blacksmith who's like slammed. He has him and his apprentices, <clears throat> apprentice, apprentice, apprentice are at work. The forge, you can see that in this area, there's just smoke pluming out of the the forge. But the amount of heat that is coming off of this area has actually prevented some of the, the, the flooding from the rain over here. Like, it's steamy. It is very steamy in this area. The blacksmith, who, or who you would assume is the blacksmith, is the oldest uh, dog in this, this area. He is, a, from what you can tell, you you have no real idea of what breed he is. You would assume he's a mutt. Yeah. Um, but he, he stands uh, roughly the size of Captain Ursa, just this massive dog. And uh, you can tell he's missing a hand. Oh, man. But attached to where that hand would be is a massive blacksmith's hammer that he is using to smooth out a long sheet of metal. And with his other hand, he is holding these uh, these clamps to keep it steady. Clamps, the clamps. <laughs> um, so he's just he's just like fuck. He's going to fucking town. Yeah. On this battle, he's just you know just slamming this thing down. He he's uh, his. You would think that he was actually um, a darker haired dog, but you look and you can see that there's tufts it's of so white. Oh uh, yeah. So, so he, he he just has a shit ton of soot like yeah. caked all over him. Um and as you approach, he quickly turns and looks at you and and uh immediately looks back to what he's doing and does a quick double take to see the uh the armor you're wearing. Hi. And <laughs> he immediately sets sets down uh the the clamps and one of his, his small apprentices runs up and takes it and one apprentice is holding it, the sheet, and then another apprentice is jumping up with a hammer to try hitting it at the same uh, speed that he was doing by himself. Uh-huh. 
and he he approaches you and he wipes his hands off on his 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 giant apron and he looks down at you he says what do you want boy uh, i'm i'm uh i'm here to have my my breastplate fitted to my body better he he smiles and looks it over and he says did you steal this off a giant lad no my grandpa he's a lot bigger than i am but um yeah, it's 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 gotten the job done so far, but um, I can't risk having it be a uh, why did Wyler say um, making it making me look stupid. Is that what he said? I don't think that's what he said. <laughs> he, he he lets out like a big guffaw and he uh says, "I'm sorry, child. I have too much too much ahead of me." I I, I understand that, but uh, Wyler or Duke, I don't know uh, if you know him but Weiler from from Vermingard he he ordered me to have this done he he would he looked like he was about to turn away when he heard you say Weiler or Duke and he stops cold in his tracks and turns back to look at you and after a moment of studying you he nods says leave it at the counter I'll get it to you gotcha cool also um hey just real quick, just to sweeten the deal, and I'm going to hand him the coin pouch uh, Roger gave me. He he looks at it, and then... In case we make con- it through? And then, like, at first he was going to turn you away for it, and then he nods and goes, in case we make it through. Cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with zero clank. To yep, you're Captain super Ursa. quiet. Sup- I'm so stealthy. Captain Ursa. Captain Ursa. Ursa? Ursa? Okay. Ursa means bear. Ursa. Ursa. What's Ursa? Ursa Strong. Ursa Strong. <laughs> um, so and she's as, still a minor. It's true. Ursa Minor. <clears throat> you don't, we don't talk about her mother, Ursa Major. Um, <laughs> it's true. She's a captain. She's not a major. Uh, you start heading back and towards the, the jails underneath the city hall. Mm-hmm. And as you come up, Ursa is actually leaving the uh, the jails, and you you sort of run right into her. Hi, Captain Ursa. Um, Gordon. Uh, I we met when we brought in the cat. I'm talking. Yes. I'm rambling. Um, so I was I was just speaking with Weiler. We all were. Um, I would like to help you. Um, with with um, gathering more uh, forces. I'm having really trouble. A lot of trouble talking. See, there's been this cat following me around, um, like an actual like small cat, not like the ones other two that I came with. But I'm, if you see him, let me know because he appears out of nowhere, and I'm starting to suspect I'm seeing things. <laughs> she she sort of stares at you for a moment, and disregarding everything you had just said, she says, <laughs> "Wyler's here." Oh, I thought you knew. Everyone seemed to to, to know. They were like staring at us. Yeah. Um, I can take you to him. She, she nods and, um, immediately, even without you, like, leading the way, she's heading towards the captain's tent. Wait, hold on, you don't know where you're going! (laughs) (laughs) And after a moment, she, uh, with her long strides, she makes it there and runs right into Weiler. Um... Weiler looks at you, Gordon, and sort of like puts a hand up to like, hey man, give us some space for a moment. Yeah, sure. Okay. And you can see the two of them start having a discussion. 
Go ahead and give me a notice check. Me? Yes. 14. It is a heated discussion. Uh, I, I fucked up. I fucked so, up. Ursa is gesturing towards the table and then doing broad gestures to the rest of the city. Weiler is standing there and you are, you could assume that the first part of the conversation is her now seeing him in the Vermingard armor. Um, the words Duke, the name Duke is thrown around a bunch. Uh, just from what you can overhear. Well, and um, it looks like it takes her a second to finally come to grasp that he is who he says he is. Uh, some, some more heated discussions are taking place. And you're kind of standing there awkwardly ooh. for a moment. What would you like to do? Would you like to stay on the sidelines or intervene? I'm going to go ahead and intervene for uh, story progression. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hi, you guys look very mad. Um, Can we calm down for a little bit? Maybe just take some deep breaths, like in through your nose, out through your your mouth, and not not yell at each other. So uh, Weiler looks at you with an even, like his, an even glance. Like you can't tell if he's upset or not. He just sort of looks at you. Uh, Ursa does actually what you said. She takes a deep breath and turns and faces you and then looks back at Weiler. And she says, Breezewell Harbor is yours, Weiler. And she steps away. And begins walking uh, away from the the table. I'm gonna kind of look at Weiler and go, "Just what what what, what happened? What, what's going on? That she didn't look happy about that." Look at it from her point of view. She has kept this city safe for years, and a person that she knows, me, steps forward and explains that I'm not who she thought I was. And I have taken command from her. Oh, I get that. I mean, no offense to you, Wyler. Trust me, this is just—it's baffling me that I'm actually talking to you. But um, if you don't mind, I'd—I'd I'd rather stick by her during this. Nothing against you. I just want to make sure that you know she has all the defensive, not offensive people she needs, and I'm. Pretty good on both. I mean, have you seen me with my hammer? You saw me with my hammer, right? He he nods and and like puts a hand up to to quiet you and says, "I am fine with that. Speak with her. Ask what she needs from you, and listen. She, as far as I'm concerned, is second in command here." Cool. I mean, I agree. That should be a thing. But okay. I mean, I'll see you after this is all done. Okay. I have so many questions. You're gonna get so bored of me. I'm gonna run off. Okay. All right, so Benji. Yellow. Hello. Where are you heading? Well, I'm going to be going to, first of all, see where the, because they were had the guards centrally located. I remember towards the front. I can go back towards that way. I know that the Dalmatian was there. Uh, really looking for a barracks. I'm just grabbing the first guards. Okay, where are the barracks? All right, so you go ahead and grab one of the closest guards that you have to... Uh, to the area and he, he motions towards a makeshift um 
training ground that has been made up towards the uh, the center of town where the other volunteers are beginning to get their weapons and their their load their, uh, their loadouts the city is stocked with weapons and things they need they've kind of taken everything from the blacksmith everything from the barracks everything that they could uh use in defense and they've put it in the center so you can as you approach you're seeing people getting outfitted with um there's not much in the way of armor. Everyone sort of has either hide or uh, leather training equipment, what they can. Some people don't have anything at all. Some people are wearing things that they had themselves. So as you're getting closer to the center of this, you can see some of those volunteers, as Weiler had said, are actually outfitted with their own gear. And they look. some of them look formidable. There are some definite people in here that you'd be like, oh, yeah, that, that person looks like they're going to do well. That person looks like they're going to do well. But then for every person you see that looks like that there are two that look lost in the reeds they're either too young too old holding their uh their weapon wrong their armor isn't cinched up the correct way they look scared some look a little too excited some look unnecessarily confident it's a large gamut of um experience here okay. but it looks like they're listening to um, a drill sergeant. So there's an English bulldog, an older one, who uh, seems to be shouting out uh, uh, directions to people. And he's like, you just watch him as he reprimands a soldier for having his uh, his spear the wrong way. And he goes, listen here, mate, you're supposed to stab him with it. Oh, jeez. He moves on to the next soldier. Your helmet's on backwards, you twat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let, I, I don't want to go ahead and, and pull any of his authority away. So I'll wait till he gets to the line and then see if I can't get his attention. Um, he reaches back and he starts doubling over to you and he, he, he stops for a, a minute and looks you up and down and, and ends at your hat. And he goes, my, my, my looks like we have a fancy one here. Listen here, cat, get back in line with the others. I wasn't in line with the others. I was sent over here by Ursa and Weiler. What's your name, Signore? He sort of looks taken aback at this for a moment and looks you up and down. He says, Lieutenant Smitty. Lieutenant Smitty. My name is Capitano Dante Ilvelazze. I have been sent here as an envoy from Vermengard. Weiler is already discussing plans with Ursa. I wanted to see how you're doing with the troops. He says, I see some of them are experienced and the other ones, they're kittens and pups. He looks at the rest and sort of huffs a laugh and says, Captain of a ship. See, of a ship. I was the Marine. So you've been sent here by Waller and Captain Ursa then? Aye. Well, this is what we got, a bunch of blowhards and and amateurs, people have never seen the wrong end of a stick. How many? And I said the estimate was afforded perhaps 80, you would say. Two score would be uh, experienced enough to, uh, they've seen their share of battle. I, I have 80 guards. We're going to need, unfortunately, these guards are going to need to serve as babysitters as well with some of these. As you said, some of them have a lot of. Uh, they are bravos. They think they are better the sword than they are. 
Others have absolutely no experience and have no problem showing folks. He thought perhaps if we have, and he mentions, he said, well, I was discussing with Weiler, he mentions the three gates. He goes, and so I don't want to go through all that again, of course, and right. our listeners will fall asleep. <laughs> but uh, kind of goes through what some of the plans were. He said, perhaps we can use some of the less experienced as runners. Uh, also, if they're manning the walls, doesn't take too much to throw a rock over. He he nods and says, and- um, Mostly individuals here who haven't even held uh, anything sharper than a butter knife. We're going to equip with crossbows at the top. They'll Mm. also be using the rocks for defense. And if things get truly, truly fucked, we're going to put them behind the gates with sharp sticks. You think you lot can manage sharp sticks? And you hear a, yes, sir. I just yell out, and I'm going to use uh, I'm going to use intimidate to do this. Okay. I am going to sh- shout out to them. I don't think you gave the lieutenant a good answer. Speak up. And twenty three. You hear immediately. Yes, sir. And then uh, Lieutenant Smitty looks at you and nods and says, "This here is my assistant." And he motions for you to say your name. Dante. Now I want you to treat whatever Dante says as gospel. You understand me? You sorry sacks of shit. (laughs) And he's walking up and down the lines. You're going to have to rely on him to keep you alive. So you listen to what he has to say. and You might make it out to pay me back for the training I've just given you. Is that understood? And then. Yes, sir. And he looks to you. Dante, see if you can get a bigger rouse out of him. I believe. What is this? We've got little kittens. We have puppies here. I want to hear you roar. Uh, yes, sir. And do it again. 18 this time. Yes, sir. We might just make it out of this alive. I turn over to him. You know, hold out my hand. to shake, uh, Hold out my paw to shake his paw, so to speak. He takes it and shakes it and he he nods at you immediately you can see he's you've gotten the respect from this lieutenant so we had relayed the plans of what we were planning and doing separating and once again sparsing out the guards uh in more experience we're going to have the hunters on the walls we're going to have those key points in there i think if we're the northern area i if it's open all the way we're not going to be able to defend that with troops. It's going to have to be something else we come up with. So you know, I would relate all this to Smitty and I will, during this time, I will continue to kind of go up and down and see if I can spot any maybe hidden talent or somebody that's going to be a problem because they think they're better than they are. Okay. So you're going to go ahead and give me a notice check, please. Cocked. Shoot. That is a 19. All right. So you you go ahead and you start pulling out um, just from your general glance of troublemakers, uh, people who think that they're actually you know some some blowhards, and you manage to pull together a squad on just on glance of people who look like they're actually know what they're doing just by gaze of like the equipment that they have um, and not how just they're holding it and things like how, that exactly because you have some people who have good equipment but definitely look like they've never used it. Their armor is has no scratches, no scuffs. Their blades are 
almost pristine. But then you also find some people who have little to no equipment, but just by looking at them and how they're holding themselves and how the equipment has been used, you can tell that it, they have experience. You start putting together kill teams. Um, right. I'll start painting the miniatures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we are going to go ahead and switch over to CJ. But while that's happening, Dante, I would like you to go ahead and do a series of four charisma. Do, let, let's go ahead and do this. So you're going to be putting together your team. All right. Make make a pitch for what skill you would like to do to uh, get these people organized and put together. Like, give me a train. What what skill would you like to use to train them or get them ready? Really, charisma probably be the strong one for this one. Okay, so I want you to go ahead and give me four charisma checks, please. Got it. You want to you want to go go to more uh, more. I'm sorry. You want to go to CJ while you're I'm doing this or. Uh, yes. And while this is going on, I want you to plan out what each one of these roles is for. So these are putting together your teams and uh, then give me what each role is when I come back to you. Got it. Okay. So, Morgan. Hello. Hi. So you have been sent to go speak to some of the magicians that they have in the 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 city. Mm-hmm. Um, they are being kept towards the, uh, let's see here. They are being kept towards the West Gate. The West Gate. Okay. So as you approach, you can see that there has been another tent that's been made up, and there are all sorts of animals here in various uh, articles of clothing. But the one thing that kind of keeps them all together is that they're wearing, none of them are wearing armor. They're all wearing either robes, simple clothes. Um, Very they, similar to what CJ is wearing then. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, you can see there's roughly 12 of them. You would make lucky 13. Mm-hmm. So they're all sort of having a conversation together and uh, they're speaking to a single individual. At first, go go ahead and give me a notice check, please. Uh, So notice check, you say? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Twelve. Twelve. They are listening to, at first, at first glance, it looks like a rat. But as you get closer, it's actually a mouse. Hmm. This mouse probably stands at about three foot six, very small creature. Uh, She is older. You could see that there's white around her, uh, her little, her little nose and her whiskers. Um, Her ears take up like a big portion of her body size. And she is wearing deep, deep purple, almost black robes. Hmm. And she is standing on a table, sort of speaking to everyone. And in front of her, she has what looks to be a, um, she's holding out a, an orb that's sort of swirling with this darkness. Hmm. So as you get closer, you see her and she, she immediately notices you and ushers you forward, uh, with uh, a tiny paw to join the circle. Hmm. And as the, the circle, as she does that, the, the circle opens up to allow you entrance into the conversation. And so she stands there and she says, welcome. Welcome. Hello. Uh, what, what is your name child? Oh, Oh, aren't you just the cutest thing? Uh, uh, yes, I, I am CJ. Uh, I was sent over here, uh, by Wyla mm-hmm. to, uh, help and command and command. Yes. My name is Charlotte. Oh. We, 
you stand before your brothers and sisters in the mystic arts. And we are just getting to know each other and what we are capable of. I, unfortunately, will not be much help during the potential siege as my, she sort of chuckles under her breath. My magics are old and used for other things. Hmm. I am a, I'm a mystic. I have an approximate knowledge of many things. (laughs) And you, CJ, you, you've arrived at the, near the stroke of midnight, it seems. Why are you here? Here on, on this, this patch of land? Or, or why am I here with you all? Why have I been sent over? She, she shakes her head. We're all here for a reason. Why are you here? I'm, I'm here to, uh, to help lead. I'm, I'm here to see, you know, what we're working with, uh, and try to defend the town, the village. Yes. She, she nods again and says, well, that is why you're here right now. That is the reason for you standing in front of me. But why are you here? What is it that you are doing? What is, what is your path in life? Why are you here? You hear Kill Bill sirens in the background as CJ tries to <laughs> scramble what her life is all about. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why, why, why am I here? That's a, who put me on the spot, you, you cute little mouse. Ah, uh, I, I'm, I'm traveling with my, my friends. See, we're, we're trying to help out another town. Uh, and we all ended up here at just the perfect time, it seems. She, she smiles and she, she steps a little bit closer. Uh, she jumps off the table and comes up to you. She's holding it, the, the orb. And as she does, she starts speaking. Why are you? And immediately you see her eyes go white. Uh. And she's holding the orb in front of her and the orb starts swirling. And she stops mid-sentence and his paws, mouth agape. You feel your totem mm-hmm. that you have hanging around your neck yeah. begin to vibrate. Oh, it is never, it never has that feature before. That's what. What what's going on? What are you doing? She stands there and everyone's like, what the hell is going on? People begin like giving her space as she stands there, her eyes white, mouth agape. And you hear from her mouth. Federax marches, Federax looms, Federax casts the green shadow from every corner of the world, from every crack in the ground, his influence pulls and stretches, bathed in emerald flame, Borapal will fall. She drops the orb and immediately collapses to the ground. Oh my god, Charlotte, are you okay? Charlotte, and I try to kind of shake her to see if she's cognitive. cognitive. Go, ahead, go ahead and give me a notice check, please. Another notice check. 19. She is unconscious and your totem stops vibrating. Oh. 
Uh, and so I could tell that she's breathing like she's, she's yeah, she, she's alive. Mm-hmm. She's she she's alive. And you, you're watching her her tiny chest go up and like breathing very quickly and very shallowly. Mm-hmm. Um, when a uh, another cat, a an orange an orange cat comes rushing up and puts their paws on either side of Charlotte's head and begins muttering something under their breath. And then suddenly Charlotte's eyes uh, shoot open and she looks confused for a moment and then looks back at you and you watch is, is your totem out or is it underneath your cloak and stuff? It's uh, it's out. She's staring right at it and then looks back at her orb and she says, where did you get that? I, I would also, before I answer that, what, what is that orb that she has? What, what did that do? Go ahead and give me a knowledge arcana check, please. Knowledge arcana check. You're good at that, from what I recall. Uh, yeah, arcana, I get plus seven. Oh, man. Oh, and I got a nat 20, so 27. Oh, my God. That is her totem. That's her focal, uh, that's her item. That's basically her, um, bird skull. Mm. That's what she uses to channel her magical, magical abilities. Ah, uh, I, I see, uh. Well, well, the thing around my neck is is my totem. Uh, I got it from someone at my doorstep. It was given to me without any prior knowledge of what this thing was. She like push. She gestures to the people around her. The 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 orange haired cat goes to look like he's going to help her up, but she shoes him away and she stands up of her own accord. Mm. She doesn't pick up her focus item, but she, she looks at you and she says that skull that you carry that your totem is more than it appears. What, what do you mean? I, I don't know. I, I can only tell you what I've seen in my visions. Go on. She she seems to be trying to co- bring all the collection of her thoughts and her visions into her head. She that, my dear, is something that scares Federex very much. Oh, tell me more. I I need to know. I need to know everything. It's it's on me. It's I I I don't know what else to tell you. He's just I, as I said. As I said, I. I see glimpses. I see just the edges of a page. I just see, I never see the full story. I never see the full picture. But what you have, my dear CJ, is something very valuable and very frightening to Federax. Mm-hmm. Oh. You, you must keep it safe until you can learn more. Of course, of course. I'll, I'll have it around my neck. I'll hide it. I'll do something, anything. It- we need to we need to take this bad rat down. She she shakes her head. And says, "It's more than a rat. It's more than it's more than you realize. It's more than I can comprehend. It's there's something. There's something. She she seems to be lost in thought now, and she she gently stoops down to pick up her orb, and she walks back to where she was, and she sets it down and says." I've seen all of you before in my in my visions. I've seen this moment. I've seen green flame. I've seen smoke. I've seen rain. I've seen 
death and destruction, and I've I've seen the death of every single person inside this city, but I've also seen their life. The future has not been written, no, but I've seen many possible outcomes. And then she looks back at you, CJ. And you, my young cat, you and your friends, your allies, and you can see she begins tracing her her tiny paws on the table Mm -hmm. in front of her. Like just sort of putting her hands down and then using her fingers, her fingertips like claws to sort of scratch at the wood in front of her almost idly. You and your friends, your allies, those you hold close to you are at the center of it. The death, the destruction, the life, the salvation. Your choices will decide what happens to all of us. slowly all of the magic users around you turn away from Charlotte and look at you expectantly. She waiting for you to tell them what to do. Oh, she kind of, she takes a a big breath because that's a lot to take in. She, um, let's for a second. It's like, where the, we're the center of all of this. This that. Sorry, this is this is a lot. Um, okay, I I need to know what everyone here can do. What type of magic? I need to know. Give me all your stats. Give me everything. Give me your character sheets. Yes. <laughs> um. So they begin to explain what they're capable of. So there are twelve of them. You have four dogs Mm -hmm. that claim themselves to be shepherds, healing magic using dogs. You have three cats that call themselves mancers. Hey, very similar to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and then you have uh four dogs that call themselves artisans, which is basically the dog equivalent to the mancer. Okay. You have one cat that claims themselves to be a minister, which is the the feline equivalent to the shepherd. Okay. So so as it stands, you have uh, five healing magicians mm-hmm. and seven uh, magic users like yourself. Oh, okay. So now it's just my turn to kind of figure out where they're placed. Because so I have that whole Westgate, correct? You have well. You have the we- you have all the gates. Technically, you're just in control of where the where you're going to position them, okay. so to speak. So, if you'd like to take a second to figure that out, I absolutely will. All right, Dante. What roles did you get? Well, I decided to go ahead and stick with what's been working out so far. With uh, so, well, actually, I'm switching from intimidate to persuade on that, which is one of my better ones. Uh, so. Four roles. How I want to divide this in is I want to mix a good amount of, rather than separating it out, here's my leaders, here's my bowmans, etc. I want to give, as we were talking about, a kill team or a strike team. So you're going to have a complement of each one of those in there. We're going to try to arrange it so we have the skilled folks uh, partnered up with the less experienced. Okay. And go from there. Like I said, a lot of the less experienced will probably be doing that. So we're going to have the 
archers or crossbowmen will have uh, the shield wall, and then we're going to have skirmishers that can or that could also be behind the shield wall. Okay, we're going to set um, that up you- for the three gates, mm-hmm. and I want one team to be able to move to support a gate that needs it the most. Okay, so you're doing your best to set them up at the gates. Now, are you going to line them up on the wall and then have the uh, the shield wall be down at the base of the gate? Or are you going to have them all on the top? And then if shit gets real, they'll move down to... We're all going to be... For the, everyone's going to be at the top of the wall first. Uh, and once again, if things go poorly or pear-shaped, we'll move on down below. You'll start with the shields going and the skirmishers that will flank out to either side. And the, of course the archery and bowmen will either fire from the wall or be behind the shield wall. Okay. So go ahead and give me your rolls. Uh, right. We have got, these are the rolls I did. So first, the first set, which will be for the East wall okay. 21. Okay. The North, uh, not the North, wall, the uh, West wall. A 22. 22. The south wall, 15. Okay. And the auxiliary, you could say, the ones that will go ahead and support wherever needed, uh, They that's a 21. 21. Okay. So you have your, your teams. You have your position where everyone you thought was going to do well. You have them all made up. So now you had 150 soldiers, essentially. Um. Well, 150 volunteers. You had 230 soldiers in total. So what that adds up to being... So basically, it's 57 soldiers in each group. Right. And you've positioned them in such a way that they're at these gates. So each gate has about 57 uh, with a smattering. That doesn't count for you guys, like the four of you and Weiler and Captain Ursa. And some of the other like non-soldier individuals, so that would speak for um, the magic users that uh, CJ is talking to. That also means Prospero, and um, uh, yeah, that's that's where that stands. So once uh, CJ figures out where she is going to put those magic users, then we'll have a, a final idea. I would like to for the for the auxiliary group. I want to take them as soon as we've we, we figured out that we've made the rounds showing them each of the locations, the gates where they're going to be working with them. I want to be able to go down to the area that was in the north and use those folks to help set up a kill zone. Got it. it. Okay. The, the gate between the east gate and then the dock control. Yeah. That that one that was you said was to the north of it was, was more open. Yes, we didn't have the wall, so that's where we may have some problems. That's why I want to create that kill zone. Excellent. Okay, so you go ahead and you start managing that. Uh, we're going to go ahead with Gordon. So, Gordon, you have moved over to be with Captain Ursa. Captain Ursa seems a little frustrated, but she's doing her duty and she's still shouting out orders to get things ready. So people are, are bringing like arrows and crossbow bolts to the wall and getting things set up. And so she takes her a moment, but then she realizes she, you're there and she says, Gordon, was it? Yeah. Hi. We managed to get information out of that cat you brought us. Okay, good. What else do you guys get? Well, he he translated that object you brought with you. Okay. 
and she pulls out a piece of paper and she reads the emerald reach of Federax grasps towards Borapa, brother and sisters have faith and hold strong. You and countless others are waiting for the sign. The herald call of Federax will come forth a sign to all that are loyal. Then it will be time to strike from your holes, your burrows, your caves. Then you will know it is time to attack. You think this is that? Do I think that this is the sign? Yeah. Do you think that if they take Breezewell, that's that's the sign that they're talking about? She shrugs her shoulders, says, possibly. If if you found this in the undercity of Borapa, I would hazard to guess that there are dozens, maybe even hundreds of individuals who have the same object. Perhaps this is what that means. Perhaps this is the sign to strike. Where is that? Where, where is it now? She, she has it in her hand. Okay. We can't let them get a hold of that. She, she nods. Do you think there's somewhere else we could put it? Or do you think it is, is it, I think it's safer in your hands. Either mine or yours. It is brought to us from your, your group. And then she hands it to you. <clears throat> I mean, okay. I'm just gonna take it and hold on to it. Do, do I have like a rucksack on me? Yeah, you you've got your bag and stuff. Okay, I'm gonna throw it in there, tighten it up. Um, so you you've been given this this object, and she begins to you follow her. She is shouting out other orders and commanding people to move certain things and getting uh objects, big heavy carts and things put behind the wall. The uh the gates just blocking it so that if they even, if they try to breach through, they'll have to move through a large amount of debris and things to get into the actual city. Gotcha. Um, Go ahead and give me a notice check. 15. So you think, how does she know that that's what this thing actually says. Like what's to prevent him from lying to her about what it means. Gotcha. Um, Captain Ursa. Yes. How confident are you in his translation? She, she smiles and I have ways of making people talk beyond that barbarism of cutting off fingers and torture. I have I have spells that I can use to make sure someone speaks only the truth. Spells? Yes, I... In my younger years, when I was a foot soldier, I dedicated my life to upholding the word of man and leading what I believe there their cause was on the battlefield. I have abilities that aid me in, in combat as well as help my allies around. Just one of those tools I picked up along the way is the, the ability to make a, a sort of zone of truth that compels others to speak only that, the truth, while they are inside. And you got that by just... There's a dog walking Fate. around somewhere. Yeah, that's... Oh. <laughs> 
I was hearing that. There's dogs walking around everywhere. Yeah, there's, there's a panic going on. Um, so, okay. So you, you found that all in belief of man? Through the faith, yes. Can, can, there any- are, there are, can anyone learn this? Yeah. I, I believe so. As long as you have exactly that faith, you have to put forth an effort of prayer and an understanding that there is more to this world than just us. But I believe it is possible. I, I learned with, with little trouble if you, if you found yourself able to concentrate and, and put forth the effort, I believe it is something that you could do. You know, I'm not the only one that is able to do this. There are many others. In fact, I believe Ace of Vermingard had similar abilities to myself. Yeah, yeah. I, that was my, my first thought when we started, when you started mentioning this. I mean, I've never been really big on faith. I mean, not that I didn't believe, but after all this, after almost dying twice, almost drowning, countless of things I've seen, you kind of have to hold on to something, especially being this far away from home. Um, so if, I mean, it would be, I would love to learn if you would help once we get through this. And he's kind of like a little hesitant with the words because he's, <laughs> he's not sure if they're going to be alive by morning. Right. She, she smiles sadly and, and puts a hand on your shoulder and nods. Toby. Cool. So we're going to, we're going to jump on over to, to Toby. So okay. Prospero has been showing you some, uh, some interesting things, some uh, concoctions that he's made up. He and his, his uh, accoutrement of uh, bombs and, um, and other devices when, and you're, you're probably the closest to the wall, the, the South, uh, the South gate. Mm-hmm. When you hear shouting up on top of the wall, uh, Prospero tilts his head back and then looks to you and he says, Young Master Toby, if you would assist them on the wall and find out what the matter is, I would be much appreciated. Okay, yeah, uh, I'll be right back, all right? So you you rush up to the top of the the wall. You take the, the battlements up to the very top. And you are now standing at the highest point inside of Breezewell Harbor, which is the wall. And you are looking out where other soldiers have gathered and are, are waiting, staring. And you see the weather has not lightened up at all. It is still pouring rain. In fact, visibility has actually suffered because of how dark and rainy the weather is. But... It's quiet for a moment. All you can hear is the the pattering of the rain and then the thunderclaps above. And slowly you begin to see it. It begins to take shape. Down south, the area where you came from, you see it. A single torch. Just a small source of light in the distance. And then another. And then another. And then ten more. Uh, and then twenty more. I immediately grab my horn I have. I blow on it so hard <laughs> to just, like, alert everybody. So you let 
you let loose this horn bellow. Everyone in the city, you all hear it. You hear Toby blowing into the horn of Vermingard. And again, silence rings out as everyone stops and stares at the wall. And then you hear it off in the distance. listening to dice hooligans you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter all you have to do is search for dice hooligans thank you please write and write a review we would really appreciate it